It's happening. Foster Pavilion tonight. Foster Pavilion. It's happening. Finally. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked on Baylor. Thank you for sticking with us through to the second day of a new year. And thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. I'm your host, Cam Stewart. I'm bringing you nothing but Baylor Athletics content five days a week, sometimes more. We're the only place that is giving you exclusive Baylor podcasts dropped to your device every day. That's not coming straight from the university. And we're proud of that. And today we're talking about the grand opening. It's finally here, y'all. The Foster Pavilion tonight. Baylor, Cornell. Let's do this thing. Let's let's open this thing. I don't care how ready it looks. Let's get out there and play in one of the best home courts in the nation tonight. I'm excited about this, if you can't tell. Now, I did wax poetic about the Farrell Center uh, what, almost two weeks ago now. When the when they played their last game there, and we talked with uh, with some people who were there on day one of of the Farrell Center, and I and I waxed poetic about it for a couple of reasons. You know, it is still one of the main facilities for athletics that I got to utilize as a student in my time there. I, I walked across the stage there, got my degree there. Uh, and, and one of the other reasons why we waxed poetic a little bit was because we were in the context of 1988 which was great. It was, it was a fantastic facility for that era and for that team. Baylor desperately needed that. Um, it was really one of the first athletic complexes that was actually on campus, which is still odd to think about for me, not only because of all the development that's happened on, on that side of, of University Parks on, on campus, but also just because the room was there. And for some reason, Baylor and Waco were... I guess on the same page, but not the right page in that they had these great athletic facilities in Waco that Baylor was using, but it was nowhere close to campus. And this with the Foster Pavilion is really going to be the happy medium. Obviously the project is for Baylor athletics and for the city of Waco. So there's a, there's a kickback to them. There's ways that they're helping in this and it is close enough to campus that kids can walk to. Um, it's actually closer to a lot of the dorms than the Farrell Center is. Uh, there, there will need to be some things fixed there to help kids get safely under the bridge and across uh, the underpass of 35 to get there. But it is close. It's walkable. And it is just close to downtown as well so that the city can really, really use it. And we heard that was going to be the case for McLean Stadium. And that, that didn't really pan out. I know they did some some Easter services there. Um, and they did like 4th of July fireworks outside the stadium. And that was kind of it. The city really didn't utilize it to the point where they're now no longer partnering together. And so I think part of that timing is that they're going to be able to use the foster, uh, both parties, both Baylor and the city of Waco uh, to really make this a top tier place. So anyway, that, that that's not the part you care about as much as a fan, right? You want to, feel what it's going to be like when you're in there and it's a big basketball game. And I, I wish I could tell you with the certainty what it's going to feel like, but we haven't seen it yet. And I, but I am so excited to get in there because everything they did 
in the planning of this arena should point to being a much better home court advantage for, for Baylor. Um, I know people bitched and moaned about the, the reduced capacity. I was, you know, for it, I guess is the right way to put it. I'm okay with it because we don't sell out the Ferrell center. And this way you can have every seat taken up and, you know, you could really create one of the top tier environments in the big 12 and in college basketball. You could, uh, then there comes with the caveats, right? I, I know, and this is this is unofficial, so I've heard from people that it's going to cut the students down, the student section down by about 60%, which is abhorrent if it's true, um, because those are the people who are actually coming to your games and really making a difference. And I do feel bad for these students that are coming to the Farrell Center. We've talked about it time and time again the last you know, four or five years, even when I was a student, when they weren't elite, they were pretty good. Um, but really since they made this turn to an elite basketball team that the students have been there, man, the students have showed out. And if you just clipped out the student section for these games and those students, they, they bring the energy every night, whether it's a weekday or a weekend, they are there. They are really making a difference, but you look around and it's either the place isn't nearly full or those who are, are when they are there, they're telling the people in front of them to sit down. And that's a problem with Baylor fan culture in general. It's not just the Farrell Center. Believe me. I, and I know a lot of you people will agree with that, all of you listening. Uh, but this way, we should be able to highlight the students even better. They're going to be on the floor, basically, not just behind the baskets. Huge step. Huge step. Put the TV cameras on the other side, which I'm guessing that's how they're going to do it, so we can see the student section. That's what Cameron has. That's what uh, Fog Allen doesn't necessarily have that, but you can see the students on TV. And that's something we've been lacking at the Farrell Center, is they're behind the basket, and they're up, and you can't see them on TV. The other thing that was lacking that doesn't just get a quick fix from a new arena is kind of what I hinted at before of alumni and Baylor fans don't show up enough for basketball. They don't. And that is a cultural problem. It is. And it's a problem, whether it be just Baylor fan culture or Baylor's connection to Waco, or it, it's, it's all an issue. I know the alumni live primarily in Austin and Dallas and Houston and San Antonio. Yes, I get that. But we've, we've been through this before on this show that Iowa State does not have 100% of their alums living in Ames. In fact, most of them don't live near there. Or Chapel Hill. It's, a, it's not exactly a booming metropolis, great college town. But, you know, it's, what, an hour from Raleigh, where I'm sure a lot of their alums are for UNC. Uh, I mean, Duke is the same way. It's only eight miles down the road from UNC, and their their alums are in Raleigh and in Charlotte. So, what the difference between Baylor and those schools is those are basketball schools. People know that right away. Uh, Kansas State's another great example. Manhattan, tiny little Manhattan, they punch out all the time because they have basketball cultures. Those are basketball schools because you know them as basketball schools. Baylor needs that culture. And I think a big step is having 
this much better arena. We all love the Farrell Center to some extent, but it's a cookie cutter, nothing special about it, nothing to write home about, multi-purpose arena, basically a concert venue that you were playing basketball in. This is a basketball arena that is fit for some of the best college basketball teams in America. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the pavilion and what we're looking forward to after a quick little word from one of my favorite sponsors today. One of my favorite sponsors today, one of my favorite sponsors every day, really. That's FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You've got all these sports going on right now. There's no better time to, to click into FanDuel and really get locked in or locked on some of the great deals that they have going on. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose, okay? The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet. You could do uh, live same-game parlays. Uh, you could you could find bets in the Explore tab, which is new to them. Uh, you could You could... Join the Parlay Hub and see what all the popular parlays are going on. All different kinds of ways you can you can make FanDuel a great experience and put some money in your pocket. So what you need to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make that first bet a layup. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Closing thoughts on on Foster a little bit because I got a little carried away with maybe some of the negatives of Baylor basketball fan culture before really highlighting how great this is going to be. And, and I got to give props to Baylor um, with their new ticket buyback program essentially is what it is because one of the main concerns I had was people who give away tickets or sell tickets and, uh, you know, I, on a good day, those seats are used and they're used for the opponents. On a bad day, they're not used at all. And again, we see that in these Monday night games and these in these you know Wednesday night games. And then you know you got a Saturday and maybe the weather isn't terrific and you're playing Texas and there's a bunch of burnt orange there. You're playing Tech and there's a lot of lot of Raider power in the building. And Baylor has actually they have put out a commitment to saying we're going to make sure tangibly, we're going to make sure this is a great environment for our team, for our players, for our coaches, for our fans. Don't just give those tickets away to your friends right away. Trust Baylor on this one. And let's get some more bears in the seats here. Maybe that's something that Baylor was fumbling before, but this seems to be a, a great plan. A great plan. And it's just that I can't wait tonight to walk into the building and feel the difference again of, of just walking in and seeing this, this great big atrium when you walk in and knowing that this is, this is an arena. This isn't a venue that they happen to play basketball at. This, this is an arena and it really should be showing, it should be emblematic of what this program, both men's and women's, has gone through the last 15 or so years, and that's an absolute renaissance. 15 or 20, if you want to go back to the first national championship for the women. A renaissance. Like, like this is one of the best men's and women's college basketball programs in the entire country. 
like top three. Let's start showing it. That's what we're going to have with the Foster Pavilion. And I can't wait. And we know we have an exciting women's team coming into play there uh, tomorrow, January the 3rd. And the men tonight, we're not going to learn too much positive tonight. But I wanted to kind of touch base with uh, kind of how this how this season has been. Because I was a little emotional the last time I talked to you guys about Baylor men's basketball. In fact, the last two times. Uh, post-Duke and post-Michigan State with a little bit of confidence mixed in there going in against Duke. But Baylor is too good a basketball program at this point to be talking about moral victories. They are. And I said this after the Duke game. I think in the long run that is going to help them, sure, because they're going to learn things. Absolutely. National Championship ain't won in, in December. There's no Final Fours in December. Okay? But that said... I want us to start measuring Baylor against some of the top college basketball programs in the nation. Like, Arizona is definitely a better team than Duke. But Duke was pissed when they lost to them. Or where I used the example of um, Kansas going up to Bloomington to play IU in Assembly Hall, and it's they're down most of the game. And even if they lose that game, they're not saying, Hey, well, well, we had to play Indiana on the road. Look at the national championship banners. No, they don't say that. In fact, they came back and they won because they're Kansas. And the expectations of a program like that are supposed to be the same as what Baylor said in their hype video. And before the first game of the season, any place, any time, anybody, something to that effect. <laughs> anybody, anytime, anywhere, whatever it is. We'll take all comers. We don't care where you play it. We don't care if you play it on the moon. We're going to come with our best effort. We're going to beat you because we're a basketball school. Baylor across the chest. And there still isn't that kind of cutthroatness amongst Baylor fans. This team is very good, this men's basketball team. Very good. But yeah, I thought some of the some of the kinks would have been worked out by now. Uh the, the big one being the 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 play of Ray J. Dennis down the stretches of games. I really like Ray J. Dennis. I really do, and I think he is so close. He is so close to being all Big 12, all American kind of point guard. I really do. But I think there are some times where it's the second half. They were need some big possessions. They need some good looks offensively. And he thinks it's the Mac. Or the Mountain West. Where he played before. And it's not. The competition that Baylor is playing versus what Toledo and Boise State were playing, it's a cut above, man. Especially, Ray J, when we go into this Big 12 gauntlet, You've just got to calm down. You just can't be throwing the ball all over the place. You have got four other guys on the court there with you, and they are all pretty darn good, man. Pretty darn good. It is wild to think that, yes, there have been some some big hiccups here and or early in the season, and so little of the problem are the two freshmen that are playing so much. Jacoby Walter did not have a good defensive game against Duke, but overall, he and Eve Meese have been excellent 
excellent. They look like seniors out there most of the time. And so, obviously, the defense can can afford to get a little bit better, but it is better than last year, which <laughs> sometimes I forget that. This better team is much more sustainable than last year. These are These are small mistakes compared to last season. Last season, you had a center who couldn't give you anything offensively and from big par- parts of the season couldn't give you much defensively either. Um, it, last year, you you didn't have a true floor general point guard, pass first point guard. You had two great scorers in the backcourt, three, LJ Cryer as well, with Keontae and, and Adam Flagg. were three great scorers back there, but you didn't have the facilitator. You didn't have the floor general. I think you have that in Ray J. Dennis. I do. Again, I've said it time and time again. I think he's a little bit more polished even than a James Akinjo. I think he's a, a better scorer than James Akinjo. James Akinjo was an All-American here at Baylor. So there are some things that need to be cleaned up, but overall, it, it's it's minor things and fixable things. They're shooting the three at a high, high volume, but they're really good at it. They defend on the perimeter overall very well. They didn't against Michigan State. But overall, they defend out there pretty well. I think Jaden Nunn needs to give you a little bit more offensively. Nothing earth-shattering, but he needs to give you a little bit more offensively. If those things get ironed out, this is still a national championship caliber team. Absolutely. And you're not going to learn much from them tonight against Cornell. If Jaden Nunn has 25 points and you know Ray J. Dennis has... 10 assists, no turnovers. That That's great. And Cornell's actually a pretty solid mid-major team. But let's start let's start judging that stuff next week when they play in the Big 12 or Saturday or whatever the first game is. Start judging it then. That's when you'll see the real version of this Baylor team is when they face some of the best competition in America. Because that's what that's the standard that Baylor fans and the Baylor program needs to hold themselves to. Anyway, I think they'll beat Cornell. If if that's anything you're interested in, fans, I I think they will beat Cornell. And I know I'm a day late on this, but it's for the whole year. So I thought, you know what, Cam, do go ahead and do it anyway. I'm going to do some New Year's resolutions, but not for me. Not for me, for Baylor Athletics. And so I wanted to do this in kind of a cheeky way, things that might actually be a New Year's resolution for you or me, but put it in Baylor Athletics terms. So we did the year in review. Now it's time to look ahead, 2024, what the resolutions are going to be for Baylor Athletics to make this a better show, to make us all a little bit happier, and to bring Baylor back to the heights it was at as an athletic program not all that long ago. Let's start with basketball, because that's been kind of the topic of the day. Um, we, If you had the big move for New Year's resolution, they're already going to have it, going to Foster Pavilion tonight. So I switched something else. A lot, of you, a lot of you might be having some weight loss goals this year. I certainly will be. And so you're maybe thinking about cutting out the sweets. It's a tough thing to do. Baylor basketball? Bring on the sweets, more sweets, the most sweets you could possibly have. Because for the last two years, 
we have not gotten to see our basketball teams, men or women, play in the second weekend of the tournament, which the first game of the second weekend is the round of the Sweet 16. So bring on the sweets. We need to get to this next level again. You know, we, we know that these programs are Final Four caliber, national championship caliber, but the last two years, you have not done that. So it's put up or shut up time. If, if, if it's the same song and dance this year and both those teams are out by the end of the first weekend of the college basketball tournament, which I just really doubt, but if they are, then we're talking about ah, scrubby little Baylor. They're just back in their place. Maybe they can get some five stars now, but they can't put it together. And for the women, it will be, oh, well, you know, good. They, they had some nice wins, and and it's just not Kim Mulkey's program. It's not Kim Mulkey's team. They're never going to be the same again. You ran off a, a Hall of Fame head coach, and that's just what we're going to hear. It's going to be the same old line we're going to hear over and over. But except this year, if it happens three years in a row, it's going to be really tough to push back against as a Baylor fan, especially one like me who thinks that's not the case and that they are over that hump. The proof will be in the pudding. Pudding, sweet, sometimes more sweets for Baylor basketball. Okay, let's look at Baylor baseball. Travel the globe. Go everywhere. Travel the globe. Okay, I am pretty intentional on the word globe. Globe Life Field is where the Big 12 tournament is played now instead of Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark in Oklahoma City. So, what I mean by go see the globe is go to Globe Life Field and participate in that tournament. Baylor was the only one who did not make it last year. Nine of the ten teams went, or go, but it's, not, it's more than ten teams now. Um, and there are some bad baseball programs coming in, if I might say frankly. And there was some good young talent on the team last year. I am a big Mitch Thompson believer. They're not going to, you know, I don't expect them to be an NCAA tournament team. They're not going to win any kind of championships, I don't think. But let's not be left at home again. Let's have a seat at the table in the Big 12 Conference Tournament, huh? Let's start there. Maybe you'll shock someone, win a couple of series. I don't know that they won one in the Big 12 last year. Win some series. Actually, that's that's a joke. They were the first ones to win a Big 12 series last year. And just keep using these incremental improvements to, to build upon that program again. So it's a simple one. Just don't be really, really bad. Go to the Big 12 tournament. That that's a that's a big, tangible, good first step for this program with all the crap that it's been through the last two years. Um and what that entails when you have to get a new baseball coach, uh, more so than than most other sports. And then football. Finally, there's there's a lot of different ways I can go with this. <laughs> There's a lot of things that Baylor football could do to get better. Okay? You know, you, you could branch out and meet some more people, as in more recruits here in Central Texas. Or what I've gone with is practice what you preach. And I'm going to put emphasis on the word practice. This is, a, this, is this has some Olympics here, okay? Stick, stick with me here. Uh, some gymnastics, I should say. So all week, or all year, we heard every week, after the game, how good a week of practice the Baylor Bears had. Did not have a bad week of practice all year long. Probably not even a bad day of practice. Never, not once. And yet they went three and nine. So what you're preaching to me, Dave Aranda, is that you've got the dudes here. They're committed. 
They're practicing really hard. It's not like they've checked out. Okay? That's what you're preaching. I want what's happening in practice to happen in practice, as in when you take the field on Saturday, practicing what you're telling me, showing me what you're telling me, using practice as a synonym for show here. Show me that you guys are practicing hard and well, because we didn't see that really at any point this year. There was nothing we could point to and been like, yeah, you know, he was right. These guys left it all out there. Not really. UCF game, sure. West Virginia game, they showed, showed a great effort. Yeah. But for the most part, this was more than any other year in recent memory, we have had to question the team's effort on the field. A recent memory that does include in 2020 when two of your running backs quit the team after a game. Tristan Ebner and John Lovett. Now, obviously, Ebner came back, but even in a year where that happened, you know, this is still the one where we question the effort on this team. And so if it is great practice, if if they are executing and they are putting together a good game plan and they are play, playing really hard, let's see that on the field this year on Saturdays, please. Please. I, you know, I, I, I wish I could sit here and say, even if they're five and seven, but they're playing really hard, that's an improvement. No, I know you guys are in a tough situation, but tough. You guys buried that for you. I think to get positivity on your side, you'd need to have a winning record, but even that might not save your head coach. So that's the start. All of these things are supposed to be kind of, these resolutions are supposed to be like trickle-down effects, right? Get past the Sweet 16, or get to the Sweet 16. Whatever happens from there, awesome. Great. We do want to take that next step. We want to be Final Four, but first got to get to the Sweet 16. Or, you know, we, we want baseball back in Omaha sometime soon. But that's a lot of work to do. Let's just let's just not be the only ones left at home from the dance when it comes to the conference tournament. And then for football, we want to see you competing for Big 12 championships again. We do. And hopefully that's not that far away. But it starts with showing that real effort on game days and that execution on game days and that explosiveness on game days that we hear about every week that's happening in practice. That's where it starts. Those are the New Year's resolutions for Baylor Athletics. Tell me what you think. What 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 do these athletic programs really need to resolve, work on in the year 2024? Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day here at Locked On Baylor. We are going to have a recap of the men's basketball game against Cornell and Foster Pavilion opening thoughts and look ahead at the women's first matchup there. We'll have that on the episode tomorrow. Thank you for following us in to another year. It's 2024, and this is Locked on Baylor.